You are listening to Making Space with Jen Pilipau, a podcast about authenticity and the subconscious beliefs masking it. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast and to season two. We're on episode three, so I've got some updates for you in case you missed them at the end of the last episode. My new online program for adults is called Making Space, and it's open for enrollment now. You can get more information about this on my website or in the show notes. It includes hypnotherapy and Reiki, and it's a really beautiful healing program. So if you're the kind of person that immerses themselves in consuming free podcasts and content, and you jump from teacher to teacher or coach to coach, and you're not seeing any changes, this is the container where you will immerse yourself in transformation and action. The program is about doing and learning and healing yourself and less about consuming content like this. It works at the root of inherent worthiness and authenticity. So if you're ready for that deep dive, I invite you to check it out and apply to get some more information about it. It's going to be a really small group to start. So if you're someone that doesn't like the noise of the really busy big groups, then this is the right time for you to join because there's going to be a lot of access to me. And if you're in Saskatoon, I'm now seeing clients out of Boreal Wellness for 101 Reiki, and this is for kids or teens or adults. And I talked a little bit, I think in the last episode, about how I trained with my spiritual mentor here in Saskatoon, and it was an incredible experience. And Reiki has become a habit and a part of my daily life, and um, I use it on my kiddo, and it's been really great for a lot of relief, for a lot of healing, for a lot of integrating. And it feels like something that's been missing from my healing program. So I'm really excited to share this with other people. If you're not in Saskatoon, then I do offer distance healing too, so you can check that out on my website. Okay, so let's get into the show where we are dissecting how being hard on yourself is a perfectionistic trait, and it can come from certain beliefs around control and worthiness, so we're going to get into that, and um, you know, this whole process of creating another podcast season and kind of feeling feeling like I'm starting from scratch after ending brain boss and changing directions with my business and pivoting and it really has wiped the clay, the slate clean and it has felt like starting over and it's brought up a lot of these perfectionist perfectionistic tendencies again and so even after I record an episode the thoughts that go through my mind about what I missed, what I should have said, what could have been better, and how I have to stop myself from re-recording and over-editing. I'm trying really hard to not edit myself too much and to just let the mistakes come through um, because it will never be perfect. And really just aiming for 80%, you know, get the information out there at the best that I have to offer at this time and being okay with that. And I was thinking about the last episode when I was talking about the five different types of failure and how I thought, oh, it would have been such a nice wrap up at the end of that episode to say, um, to, to understand and to pinpoint which failure you're experiencing in the moment, because that can really help with your expectations and your perception. So let me give you an example around that. Um, if Because so often what I realized after recording that episode was 
that we often act like uh, it's been a glorious fail, like an epic fail, when it's only been a common fail. And that was how hard I was being on myself after recording that episode. It was like, oh, I should go re-record it. I should add in that bit. And you know what? It's fine. <laughs> and it's it's not an epic fail. And it actually fits in well with what we're talking about today, which is, of course, being hard on yourself. And so I recognize this in myself, and I also recognize it with pretty much all the clients I've ever worked with, be it positive psychology coaching, weight loss coaching, or hypnotherapy. And a lot of it has come down to, I'm hearing the same belief being repeated. And it's this thought of, if we're hard on ourselves, then that's what makes us successful. That's what's gotten us the success that we've experienced so far. That's what makes us perform so at such a high level. But the truth is, when we're hard on ourselves, it doesn't make us take positive action, and it's not motivating at all. But it does, what I've realized, is provide us with that fake sense of control, which when we have these perfectionistic tendencies, we love that false sense of control. And I talked a little bit more about this in season one, about why we are looking for this control, and it usually comes from circumstances in our childhood when our subconscious minds were forming and building beliefs about how the world works and as children we often just feel so out of control because so much is out of our control and so much is being dictated to us and so we're always fighting for this control and that can be something that just gets carried through into adulthood unless we've had the chance to upgrade those thoughts and beliefs. And where else it can carry over into is where we inadvertently try to control other people's responses and emotions. That is something I'm going to talk a lot more about in the next season because it is all about people-pleasing. And of course, people-pleasing can really be this subconscious way that we try to control what people think of us and how people feel about us because we just want to be liked because that feels easier. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I am going to talk all about that in the next season. So just before I go into, I'm going to share a story about perfectionism and being hard on myself. But before I get into that, I want to do a quick recap because I know you know this on what we can control, what we can't control and what we can influence. And there is a free worksheet for this. So you would have received this in your inbox um, as just one page where you can download all the worksheets, but, um, getting back to it. So what can you control your beliefs, your being, how many risks you take, your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, your thoughts, your perspective, how honest you are, your efforts. If you want to try again, there's actually quite a lot that we can control, but it requires an amount of, uh, of awareness and discipline. What's out of our control, which I know that you already know, other people's actions, thoughts, and some circumstances. And ironically, that's where we spend most of our energy is trying to control other people's <laughs> actions and thoughts and emotions. Now, here's where I invite in a little bit of the gray, a little bit of the in-between the all or nothing, right? Things you can influence. We can influence 
how other people act and how other people think. And we can do this in a non-manipulative way. We can do this from a really loving place of just sharing our experiences, sharing our ideas and sharing our beliefs. And I'm sure that you've noticed how contagious emotions are, right? When you're in a really good mood, it can uplift others. And when you're in a bad mood, it can turn other people, right? So we do have some amount of influence, but where I really like to focus is on where things that we can control. So just keep that in the back of your mind. There is a handy printout for that. Just check your email. It'll be in there somewhere or email me and I'll resend it to you. But I do want to share a personal example from how perfectionism showed up for me in my corporate job. And this would have been probably over 10 years ago now, but if you remember the five fails from the last episode, you'll recognize this as a common failure. And you'll also recognize that I am treating it like an epic fail. (laughs) So back in the day when I was an executive recruiter, I always had several projects going on at the same time. It was a really fast-paced, male-dominated industry with very high expectations. And I worked super, super hard. I never gave myself a break. And of course, I had these high expectations of myself. Perfection was paramount for me because it felt like the price of admission for my acceptance, for my belonging, for my success, for how much money I would make, and for my overall worthiness. Because to me and my subconscious, it linked making money equals my worthiness. So already you can see that belief system is is harming me, it's hurting me, and that's how it was playing out. And one of my tasks as an executive recruiter was reference checking finalist candidates. I had done hundreds of these in my career. And one day I had a really big mess up. I called one of the candidates referees and I left a message. Most times when I called and left messages, I didn't share the name of the candidate. But for some reason, this time I did. And I realized after I hung up, I had called the wrong person. And not only was it the wrong referee, but this person would know the candidate because it was his boss. Yes, I had just left a candidate's boss the message that he was secretly applying for other work and he was a finalist in getting this new job. (laughs) It turns out that this boss was a referee for another candidate, which was a previous employee of his, for another search, and I got it mixed up. What are the odds of that, of one person being a candidate for two people and one of them being a current employee? I basically started packing my box. I was sure that I was going to be A, sued, and then B, fired. It felt like an epic mess up. And I remember going to my boss at the time and just wanting to really control the situation as much as I could. I didn't want to give him the chance to have his own response because that was too scary. It was too unpredictable. It felt safer to try to control his thoughts and emotions. So the way that I did that is I quickly told him what happened and then I finished it with, I totally understand if you have to fire me. (laughs) It just felt so much safer with the illusion of control by being extra hard on myself. I thought it would save me from telling him from, te- from him telling me the things that I was afraid 
that he would say things like, I'm not good enough no matter how hard I try and that I have to work harder than everyone else just to be average. And it sounds crazy, but it felt safer to say, just fire me because it gave me this false sense of control and also subconsciously manipulated him because in my perceived control, maybe this would put him on my side to maybe take the offensive, right? To reassure me, to not cut me down further, to not make me feel worse if he could see I was already being so hard on myself. And I don't have to tell you this. It takes an enormous amount of emotional energy to have our own emotional response, let alone to try to predict and control other people's emotional responses. No wonder I was so burnt out in that job. I mean, there were lots of reasons for it, but (laughs) I'll just stick to one story at a time. So in hindsight, I wonder what would have happened if I had just had a realistic response to this. If I let myself just feel the shame and the embarrassment and then just allow him to respond in the way that he needed to respond and just present the facts of what happened, understanding, you know, the gravity of it. And then what if I had reassured myself that my best is good enough right now or I'll be better next time and had some self-compassion telling myself I'm not meant to be perfect And by the way, pumping out such a high volume of information in a short amount of time is bound to create errors. That's just math. And then just letting my boss have his own reaction, whatever it may be. And if he wasn't supportive, trusting in myself that I could support myself with my own words and take solace in the lessons and build my resiliency from a fail. In the end, he was gracious about it. I wasn't fired. I wasn't sued. People seemed to understand. But again, my boss, he let me reprimand myself. I don't know how it would have been otherwise. And at the time, I was just mortified. So the only lesson I could really grab from it was, you know, don't leave names on a voicemail (laughs) for candidate references. But of course, there's there's so many more layers to it, and it's so much deeper than that. And every time... I miss a lesson, it gets repeated in some other way until I get it. So now that I have so many years behind me on this, I can see the patterns. I can see the dance for worthiness, not trusting that I'm inherently worthy, constantly trying to prove myself to the point of sheer exhaustion and personal abandonment, going too fast because I lived for the dopamine hit of completion, honoring the results versus the process Mistakes feeling like I'm wrong, not like I did something wrong, which is a really important distinction. And if you're familiar with Brene Brown's work, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When we make a mistake and we say, I'm wrong, that's shame. Instead of just saying, you know, I did something wrong. I was so afraid of being found out that I wasn't smart enough and just not good enough, no matter how hard I tried. So knowing these patterns with myself, seeing them, I have done a lot of deep work around this, a lot of hypnotherapy, a lot of Reiki, and I'm pretty clear on all the layers, and it has been tremendously healing in moving forward. There was a lot going on there. I mean, there was also this fear of asking for help because, again, I would think that that meant I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough, and I carried a lot of shame about that. 
So at one point at the end of the year, I counted up all the assignments that the firm had done, and I had done over half of them, even though there were three other people that could do my job, which is crazy and unnecessary. But if we're more aware of where we're placing our energy, we can choose better ways to use it. We can stop expending so much emotional energy on trying to control responses from others, on an overactive inner critic, on trying to predict other people's emotions. And we can start to control what we can control and letting go what isn't our business to control. And that is a much better use of our energy and resources. I love this quote by Bell Hooks on how to love yourself. One of the best guides to how to be self-loving is to give ourselves the love we are often dreaming about receiving from others. There was a time when I felt lousy about my over 40 body, saw myself as too fat, too this or too that, yet I fantasized about finding a lover who would give me the gift of being loved as I am. It is silly, isn't it, that I would dream of someone else offering to me the acceptance and affirmation I was withholding from myself. This was a moment when the maxim, you can never love anybody if you are unable to love yourself, made clear sense. And I add, do not expect to receive the love from someone else you do not give yourself. My favorite part of that quote is, I would dream of someone else offering to love, offering to me the acceptance and affirmation I was withholding from myself. I was withholding from myself. That's such a key phrase. It's such an interesting way of perceiving it. Your love for yourself is there. Your inherent worthiness is there. It's unconditional. Stop withholding it. Stop holding it back. Which is how I feel about authenticity too. It's all in us, but it got buried under layers of old beliefs that just don't serve us anymore. They may have helped a long, long time ago, but they're not anymore. And if we take the time to explore those beliefs and we take the time to update them with our new information about how the world works, we get closer to ourselves and our authenticity and that love and worthiness that has been there all along. You know, underneath these perfectionistic tendencies of all or nothing thinking and being hard on ourselves, withholding love and compassion, being rigid and over-controlling, defensive, spending a lot of emotional energy, feeling not good enough, being afraid of being wrong, avoiding feedback, trying to manage other people's emotions. Underneath all this is usually pain and fear and hurt. All the people with perfectionistic tendencies that I've met, including me, have had a lot of things in common. They really, really care about other people. They're really hardworking and resilient and goal-oriented and high-performing, which sound like really great aspirational traits, and they are, as long as they're being approached in a conscious, intentional, and healthy way, not as the way that I was using it, as a way because I was afraid that people were going to find out that I just wasn't good enough or smart enough. And this is so normal, unfortunately. It's this personality layer that sometimes gets created and it happens at a really young age. 
and it probably did create the safety and control in uncertain situations at that time. And as I touched about in the introduction to this season, let's not forget where perfectionism really stems from, this generational teaching of striving, forcing, being productive, very steeped in masculine energy. And again, there's nothing wrong with masculine energy, but we really need to balance it out with our feminine energy of emotions and understanding them and not being afraid of them and intuition and trusting ourselves. And this, those aren't things that we were really taught. And that's not really anything that our parents were taught or their parents' parents. This is still ironically kind of new. But we can start to bring more of that in. We can become more self-aware and more self-compassionate. These are all just skills that can be built. We can learn to tap into our own intuition. And we've got lots of resources, lots of support. We have so much choice and so much that we can control. And remembering that our brains are plastic. It's neuroplasticity. We can change our patterns of beliefs even when they're deep. We can create those new neural highways. And a final note on expectations. You know, I touched on this a little bit in the beginning when I was talking about the last episode and how what failure are we experiencing and are we having a reasonable reaction to it? And what are our expectations? That really ties into it. What are our expectations of ourselves? Are they reasonable? Are they realistic? Are we asking too much of ourselves? Because having extraordinarily high expectations is not brave. It's actually just playing safe and failing in advance. Remember, fail number five. If we have no hope of reaching these audacious, audacious goals, then we know we don't have to experience disappointment or failure. We can let ourselves off the hook because it was just too big anyways. And then this can really bring up this victim mentality. Instead of telling the truth and the reality of the situation, instead of remembering to be that optimalist mindset, what is the best result we can expect from these set of realistic circumstances? And it's okay to have big goals. Please have big goals, but break them down into manageable pieces. The victim mentality is a really big one. It was a really big one for me to overcome. I worked a long time at it and did a lot of hypnotherapy. And then the Reiki I've been recently doing has really integrated all the things that I've shifted. One thing that you can start with that is bringing in that idea of what you can control and start to really temper that victim mentality of feeling like things are happening to you, not for you, and things are out of your control. There's so much in our control. So the worksheet I have for you for this lesson is going to help you bring conscious awareness to what you can control and what you can't control, and what you can influence. And this will really help you get out of that victim consciousness if you recognize that in yourself and into more of your own power and authority. It tells the truth of the situation so you can be deliberate with your thinking and your actions. So look for that in your email inbox. If you can't find it, email me. I will resend it to you. I'd love to hear if you have any feedback on any of these podcast episodes. You can comment right in the Kajabi app if that's where you're listening. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I will be back next week with another episode. Or if you've already subscribed, you can binge listen to these as they get released all at the same time. 
This podcast is recorded in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land of the Cree people and the homeland of the Métis Nation. If you're not sure whose land you're on, I invite you to get curious by visiting native-land.ca. The podcast music is called Full Light Up the Stars by Guyam. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make some space for yourself. Bye for now.